Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. This is episode 19 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Tyler Uremchuk and Cam Lewis with you. As always, recapping every Toronto Blue Jays series throughout the season. And out of all of the series we have recapped to this point, Coomzy, this one was one of my least favorite. That was just boring. It was dull. There was like not a lot of exciting shit happening over those three games. Because in game one, they got the piss kicked out of them. Game two was all right. You had the Vladdy home run. Like that's all fine and dandy. And then game three, I also felt was just like boring and sloppy and just blech. That third game on Sunday, the one that we just watched, was one of the most boring games of baseball I've ever watched in my life. It felt like that was going on. Like it was a pretty standard game. It was like three and a half hours long, whatever. But it felt like it went on for 19 hours. Like it, I, I thought it was, I thought it was never going to end. That was awful. The most Ooh. exciting things that happened in that ball game. And I'm using the word exciting, like rather loosely, but when it was basically the defensive miscues for the Jays, those were like the only times I like really perked up and was like, Ooh, what's happening here. Right. Like them, like Gr- Grichuk and Semyon colliding and then Rowdy Telez like not being able to feel the spinning ground ball. Those two things happened within five minutes of each other. And apart from that, like nothing cool happened in the game. Yeah. That was like largely the most interesting part of the game was Randall Grichuk slamming his head into Marcus Semyon's back. That also reminded me a lot of remember back in 2015 when Kevin Pillar ran into Troy mm-hmm. Tulowitzki and just yeah. drilled him like with his chin. That was one of the strangest things. Yeah, it was just like that bizarre uh, thing. Yeah, like how does that, how does that even happen? Like they how do you uh, not see that. But do you not yeah. see the guy's going to catch the ball and you're still just running it? What's going on? They uh, they made a bit of a push in the bottom of the eighth, loading up the bases, and they managed to get two runs out of it. But, I mean, you would have liked to obviously see a little bit more. And, I mean, let's be honest, if that game got any closer, we would have just been super pissed off about the sloppy uh. defense. So they lose 6-3. They lose two out of three in the series. For me, like, people always talk about, like, the dog days of summer and that shit. This stretch from like June until the all-star break is always the most boring of any season for me. Like the, the buzz and excitement of like the start of the year and like all that has kind of worn off and you're not yet at the point where it's like, Oh, playoff race or trade deadlines coming up. Like this next month, I'm looking forward to them beating the shit out of the Orioles. Hopefully like nine times in the next 25 days. Let's hope so. But this stretch of the season is just like, Oh, it kills me. 
Yeah, no, that's like, that's the problem is we, we were too early in the season realistically to do like interesting trade proposal content, which is when things are to get fun. And yeah. you can't really do that until July because we don't fully know who's going to be selling. We can't just, you know, we can't speculate. And that's, you know, that's what it's all about. And we're just here. June's got to be the ugliest month for baseball, I think. Just yeah boring ass miserable random games but i'm also really happy we're not gonna have to see houston again this year they're a they're a frustrating team to play they're good well they're good that's i mean i was they're thinking good. about that too when i was watching the game and you know they're still getting like their booze and shit for the cheating it almost makes me more mad that they cheated because that team like oh, yeah. honestly could have been cheat. well they yeah, they didn't have to cheat like they were so good and they could have like gone down as one of those like really exciting you know, modern dynasties where, you know, a modern dynasty isn't winning four championships in a row or anything, but they're constantly contending. And like, if they just didn't cheat, I would have like liked them. I would have looked at Altuve and Correa and like, Hey, they seem like good guys. Like they play the game fun. They're talented, but now it's just, I fucking can't stand them. I remember when, when they, when they kind of broke out there in 2015 and randomly made the playoffs as the wildcard team beat the Yanks. They were like the fun, young, exciting team that everyone liked. And that changed so fast. And now they're the most disliked team in baseball by a wide margin. I mean, they're such a fun team to root against though. Like it's so, even like, let's be honest, there's there's so many teams, so many teams doing like random cheating shit. And there's all these pitchers who are using the pine tar and the sticky nonsense and you know, this and that, but it was just like hilarious to just like aggressively jump on this anti Houston Astros bandwagon. Like it's so funny just to like, have a bad guy in the league like that everyone just leans into it like we're sitting here feeling bad for the new york yankees yeah it is great for the sport though in a weird like sick twisted way like having a common enemy like a bad guy a villain that makes things like a little bit interesting i mean the cheating scandal is like not great for the sport i didn't necessarily mean that but like having like (laughs) a rallying moment for all the 29 other fan bases was like a little interesting, but you're right. The shit we're seeing right now with the sticky shit going on and all that, like this is an interesting part of major league baseball history. It is. Yeah. The, the sticky stuff's really weird because it's been going on forever. And it's kind of like major league baseball has left it in this gray area where they haven't really clamped down on it. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, we don't like this, so you can't do it. It's basically like, it seems like it's clearly just a response to the fact that there aren't as many runs this year as, this yeah. year as they'd like. So they're just like, oh, fuck, like we're going to have to ban something that everyone's been doing forever. And it's going to be weird for guys, right? Like there's there's so many players who have relied on that. Like think about like Garrett Cole for the Yanks, right? Like they signed him to that massive, insane contract. And the key reason why he's been pretty good is using that stuff. And now he's getting like lit up a little bit. Yeah, he got like, lit oh, up in his really first is. start since since the new restrictions came in. And like, like you said, like everyone kind of knew this was going on for the last like five, six or however many years. And, but it was so random when guys would get caught. It'd be like, oh, Michael Pineda got suspended for eight games. And then you could like see other pitchers doing it, but no one gave a shit. And just like randomly, like these obscure players would get caught like once every six months and it would be a story, but then it'd go away. Even though everyone was like fully acknowledging this shit was going on. It's, it's very weird to see them cracking down now, but I I like the point you made. This is clearly yeah. a response to like the runs being down. Yeah. Let's hope that nobody on the Jays is using that shit and nobody's going to randomly become very bad. That would be unfortunate. 
there's a there's an account on I think it's I, I've seen it on TikTok. I'm sure he's on Twitter and stuff where he's breaking down and like calling out everyone and like going through the video of like everything they're doing to like hide the ball. And he goes after John Means very hard, which I find a little funny. Um, but there is there was one reliever on the Jays. I think it might have been Travis Bergen, but do not quote me on that. Um, but there was a reliever on the Jays. He pinpointed at one point for doing it. But I don't think. I don't think any, like Hunjin Ryu is doing that. Like, so that's not why he got lit up in the first game on Friday. Is that he's lost his competitive advantage and now Hunjin <laughs> Ryu is going to be very bad. Let, let, let's hope that's not like a yeah, thing that's let, happening. Let's hope not. Um, all right, let's get into this series, even though we have put it off for almost seven minutes now. Oh yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get trying into... so hard not to talk about it. We're trying so so hard. Just could uh, not be bothered to talk about this. It's three up, three down, brought to you by Twig and Berries. Use that promo code NATION15. Follow them on Instagram, Twig and Berries CA, Twig and CA. Good local clothing company. Uh, they lost the series, so we're starting with the downs. And let's start with that first game where the pitching in game one was atrocious. We mentioned it. The ace got lit up a little bit. Six earned runs and five and two thirds inning. He gave up seven hits. He walked three batters as well. That was not good. And then Tyler Chatwood comes in, gives up six hits and five earned runs without recording a single out. That's that staggering. Was, that was ugly. That was a disaster. It's amazing how much that guy has just completely lost it. Because remember, he was so good. So good. I was like, this guy is the closer. This guy is yeah. unreal. And now he's forgotten how to throw a strike. Like it, it looks like he's kind of like wearing a blindfold or something and just chucking the ball into a random spot. <laughs> it's like, he just has no idea where it's going But the Ryu thing's weird. It's, it's weird seeing him have a bad start because it's, you think back at like the year and a half that he's been here and he really hasn't had very many. I mean, the only one that really pops into my mind is last year's playoff start against yeah. Tampa. That's really the only bad sort of conundrum. I'm looking at his stats right here. And so there was the game against Houston. He got lit up. And then there was a game earlier this year. He allowed four earned runs in five minutes. Those are his only two bad starts like all year. Yeah. Otherwise, it's pretty much nonstop good. So whatever it is, what it is, we can give him a mulligan. Maybe he wasn't allowed to use pine tar. And that's why he got lit. He's going to need one start to adjust. Um, so they dropped the first game of the series 13 to one. Something else that happened in that first game. There were some just some brutal defense and that theme continued throughout the series. I remember it, it's been two or three episodes since we talked about this, but it felt like the Jays had turned around their defensive issues a little bit. And then they have a series like this where it's just, it's awful. And it's, it almost didn't even feel like, or there were moments where like Tay Oscar's missing fly balls and shit. And you're like, what is going on? But there's also moments where it was just like brain cramps, right? Not even like effort necessarily, or like skill. It was just like, not paying attention and bad shit's happening. It was a bad weekend for the Jays defense. Yeah, honestly, it was like, I don't think we'll ever really get to a point in which this Toronto Blue Jays team is like an elite defending team, but it does kind of feel like, yeah, we see them like have like a nice stretch where it's like, oh, you know, they play a, a, a good defense. They don't fuck up. But then it's like they just zone out. And they make these like insane, bizarre plays. Like the one, you know, they almost dropped it when Grichuk almost runs into Simeon. And then I guess the Rowdy Telez one, like you can't really say it's, it wasn't like necessarily terrible defense. It was more just that ball had a lot of English on it, but that did look hilarious when you had, so you know, fun. Carl Edwards Jr. Like sprawling out at first base. Those are like some of the only interesting parts of Sunday's game, but I don't think the Jays will ever be an elite defending team, but they can certainly be better than what they displayed this weekend. They look very zoned out. Also in the third game, it wasn't, 
I don't, I struggle calling it like a terrible start from Steven Matz because some of those hits that did get through were like fairly cheeky, but he still gave up four earned. He still gave up four walks and eight hits and four and a third. So again, the starting pitching and Houston mashes lefties. We talked about that last episode. Yeah. Like this was in a way, almost a little predictable that this was going to be a rough series for Toronto. Um, but still to have Matz and Ryu pitch the way they did and, and, and get lit up the way they did. That was not good. And again, Matz is kind of our third down here. Yeah, no, like you said, though, like we, we, we kind of saw this coming, like Houston, this is one of, this is one of Toronto's big disadvantages with their pitching rotation in general. I mean, it was the same thing we saw when they earlier this year, they went into Oakland. Oakland had the unbelievable splits against lefties. And then, you know, their lefty starters are getting lit up. That is really quite honestly, like one of the Jays very clear, big weaknesses is that, you know, if Alec Manoa doesn't become the guy, quite honestly, then this rotation doesn't really have a good right. Unless we believe that Ross Stripling has figured something out and is now good. Even if Manoa does pan out, they need another righty on top of that. Probably like the Ross Stripling thing. We'll get to that in a second here. Yeah. He's been pitching pretty well, but I still don't really want to trust Ross Stripling in my rotation down the stretch. This feels more like a guy who's just strung together two or three good starts and will probably come back down to earth at some point. Even if Manoa pans out, you probably want another righty in there. So there's not a point where you're going three lefties in a row. I love that even though Ross Tripling put together another good start, we're still finding a way to complain about him on the podcast. That's just like standard practice. It's like impossible for us to do one of these things without shitting on Ross Tripling. It's just, it's just the standard thing we do. Okay. It's our brand. Then, Should we go uh, into the positives and talk about him? Say yeah, yeah. Nice we'll go him. to the we'll go to the three up, and the first up is that Ross Stripling was good. He pitched five innings. He did allow seven hits and a walk, but he struck out four. Only one earned run. Another good start from Ross Stripling. And like I said, I wouldn't trust him down the stretch, and I hope they aren't trusting him down the stretch in like key starts. But you can't ignore that he's pitching pretty well right now. He has been pitching quite well. It is actually kind of funny that I think it wasn't the Saturday start, but it was the start before that, his his other good start. I think he got his first win as a Blue Jay, which is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Because they acquired him last season. He's made like seven starts or nine starts this year, and he just got his first win. That's that's hilarious. But now this is back-to-back-to-back good starts for Stripling, which is awesome. You know, there was one against Tampa that was unreal. Seven innings, only two hits. And then there's the Cleveland one, five innings, um, only two hits, one earned run. This one wasn't quite as good, you know, seven hits, but still like one earned run over five. God will take that from Ross Stripling. Because I remember thinking like, Christ, this guy cannot continue being in the starting rotation, but good for him for turning it around and doing whatever it is he's doing now. He's hiding the ball better with his glove. He had been tipping his pitches or something like that. And now he's got that sorted. So that's a positive. Maybe he is turned a corner because, you know, when he pitched for the Dodgers, he wasn't that bad. It's yeah. like we've, I've said 9,000 times on this that I can't wrap my head around why they traded for him. It didn't really make that much sense. They seem to have paid a lot, but you know, to be fair, like you go back and look at his numbers. He was an all-star one year. He's not that bad. So maybe he was tipping his pitches and that's what led to the terrible start this year. And now he's fine. And if that's the case, that's a huge win for the Jays because like we both said, they need some righty pitching, need some ready pitching badly. Looking at the AL East standings now, just a quick update here. The Yankees have lost three in a row. The Red Sox have won three in a row. Tampa's seven and three in their last 10. So the Jays dropped two or three to Houston. Not, you know, the worst thing in the world, but they're now tied with the Yankees in the AL East standings for third 
in the division, and they are four and a half games back of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, keeping the ups going here, Vladdy just keeps on crushing. Another home run in game number two of this series. He now stands alone as the leader in the majors when it comes to home runs. His 333 batting average is third in the majors behind only Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos. So in terms of the American League, he is first in the American League for batting average as well. Um, and when it comes to RBIs, Vladdy sits second in the AL behind only Rafael Devers. We have a legitimate triple crown watch here. Probably, if I had to guess, we're doing one of these after every series going forward for the season. 20 more times, Vladdy will probably be in the ups category for three up, three down. Like, it's not surprising, but you it's still like need every to keep, single time. Yeah, like you still need to keep giving him the love, though, because he just keeps oh, yeah. producing at an elite level. Oh, no, we can't. Yeah, we have to, every single, every single good series he has, it's great to talk about. Like, it, it doesn't get old. Like, it's a blast watching him be unreal. And I mean, he's hardly had a cold streak this year. I remember he had that one little stretch where uh, they were throwing him higher in the zone, I think it was. Then he adjusted. And now he's kicking the fuck out of the ball again. Just never really ends. But yeah, no, I'm, that's, that's pretty much been the theme for the whole year. And it's, it's a blast over and over again watching this guy just be unbelievably good. And it's especially nice because, you know, it's kind of funny to think back now at his first two seasons and the amount of people, yeah. I guess the two of us, I don't know like where you were at with this, but I was a little nervous that he was never going to actually hit his stride and become extremely good. I remember I was having a conversation in the off season where I was like, you know, if Vlad just becomes prime age Edwin Encarnacion, that's probably a win for the Jays. And now I think about that and I'm like, you fucking idiot. Of course, was- Vlad's going to be better than that. It was looking less like he was going to be the complete superstar guy you have at two or three in your order. And he was going to look more of a guy who you have like four or five and just provides pure power. But now it's not looking like that at all. Obviously, he's going to be a legitimate front runner for American League MVP. Only three hitters in the majors have an OPS above a thousand. He is one of them right now. It's it's an incredible story here. And he's doing it all at 22 years old, which is pretty remarkable. The best moment of the weekend by far was when he hit that dinger on Saturday and Pat Tabler called it on the broadcast. He was like, Oh, if, uh, you know, Vlad's really locked in and this is bad. If he, you know, gets his pitch, then he's going to turn on it. And then Vlad just fucking turned on it like one second later and launched it into space. That was easily the best moment of the weekend in what was largely a, a pretty ugly weekend. Yeah, and I, I'm looking here. We did not come up with a third up for three up, three down, which really <laughs> sums up that three-game stretch for the Toronto the Blue Jays. Up, the third up of this is that this series is over and we don't have to play the Houston Astros again this year. That's great. That is That's that a win. truly is a win. So there you go. That is our third up. They do not have to play the Houston Astros anymore. They will go and play three in Chicago against the White Sox. It's an all Sox road trip for the Jays because they then are in Boston for four straight against the Bo Sox after that. Important uh, game. A busy stretch of baseball. They don't have another day off until the 21st of June. We'll set up that White Sox series in just a second here. But first, uh, taking a look at the Jays system right now and for like full disclosure, my tracking quote unquote of Jay's prospects is basically whatever comes onto my Twitter feed. Like I'm not going and watching double A AA or triple A games. Um, but Mourinho hit an absolute fucking moonshot, went off the hotel. I think the tweet said it was only the second or the last player to do that was Vlad. So he's doing good. The broadcast flashed up a graphic of Riley Adams and how well he's been hitting so far in the minors. So those are two guys that appear to be hitting the ball pretty, pretty well. And they're both catchers as well, which is a little interesting considering Danny Jansen went down with 
you know, a potential injury. He left the game early on Sunday. Um, but also Austin Martin getting off to a good start. Hey, Coomsey. Yeah, that's a that's a hell of a thing. So Austin Martin's finally hit his first home run as a pro. It was a little bit of a I wouldn't say a slow start for him. I think he missed some games due to an injury. It was over like a week or so. And then he finally had his first home run earlier this week and then launched another bomb today. And it seems like he's finally starting to heat up, <clears throat> which is very exciting. So that's the positive thing. The negative thing, since I have to be negative, is that Nate Pearson is struggling yeah. in AAA. So if you know people were hoping that Nate Pearson can come up and fill one of these spots that – doesn't seem likely as his most recent outing. He went four innings and allowed five earned runs, which is not what you like to see because the crazy thing is, is before this year, Nate Pearson never struggled the minors, but now he came up and, you know, played the Astros, got lit up the Astros again, and then went down. And now he's getting lit up in AAA. Something's happened. It's not looking good, but on the positive side, like you said, we've got Gabe Moreno killing it, you know, maybe, um, if Danny Jansen misses some time, they call him all the way up from double A, but Riley Adams as well in triple A is killing it. So tons of things to be optimistic about. Yeah, there is a lot. And again, the one thing that's going to interest me, especially with these catching prospects going the way they are is I, I wonder if all three of Adams, Reno and, and Kirk, like I'm assuming Kirk's going to stick around, but will both those guys be in the J system after the deadline or are those pieces that other organizations are going to look at and go, Hey, if you want insert starting pitcher here, we're taking one of those two guys. Like that's the price. And it very well could be that. That would be, that would make a ton of sense for the Jays because that's your position of strength because yeah. it's not exactly common that you have five catchers in your 40 man roster. So you'd think that, you know, one of those three is going to go in a move, say they make a huge trade for Max Scherzer. That's the one we all want them yeah. to do. Obviously wouldn't be surprising to see one of those guys go because it also opens up spot on the 40 man too, which yeah. they're going to have a huge 40 man roster crunch when a bunch of guys come back from the 60 day disabled list. Yeah, that's going to be a story that's worth tracking as well. There are going to be some interesting decisions that have to be made here. Um, moving forward here. Uh, oh, we got one more thing I got to get to before yep. the Chicago White Sox series. And that is the fact that the NHL and the Canadian government announced today that whoever comes out of that division in the NHL is going to be able to play their home playoff games in Canada, which means they have lifted and sort of fudged the border restrictions for this series. Basically the way it's going to work is let's say it's Winnipeg taking on Vegas. Vegas can fly up into Winnipeg. I, that was a bad example because Winnipeg doesn't have an airport. How are they going <laughs> to, <laughs> um, but Vegas is going to, is going to get to fly into Canada, but they have to obviously be on a private jet. Players have to pass a COVID test, like pretty much when they take off and when they land and daily COVID tests, they can't have any sort of interaction with the general public in Canada. They basically have to go like, from tarmac to team bus to hotel to rink to hotel to rink to hotel and not leave that little bubble they're going to create. The reason we are bringing this up on a Toronto Blue Jays podcast is because this opens up the door, maybe, or it opens up the conversation of could the Jays return to Canada if they're willing to make this exemption now on June 6th for the Stanley Cup playoffs? Is there a chance that, you know, a month, six weeks from now, like before the deadline? Could we hear that the Jays are moving up to the Rogers Center again? It'll be interesting. That's a difficult one. It's hard to say. I know Charlie Montoyo said earlier this week that the Jays are very close to reaching their 85% threshold for vaccinating players. It's 
a little surprising that it's taken them this long to get here, but I understand how it could be a bit of a pain in the ass because you want to scatter guys just in case there's side effects. Like, you know, they had a couple guys yeah. that had some issues and Guriel threw up during a game, Ryan Brock, he had a sore arm, this and that. But the question is, is that whether the league in general is going to reach that 85% threshold, right? Because if the Jays do it, that's one thing they can then say, Oh, like we can cross the border as our team, but then you might have, you know, whatever random team that only has 50% of their guys vaccinated is Canada going to want those guys crossing the border and doing this and that. Like it's a little bit more of a challenge than with Winnipeg slash Montreal playing whoever they're going to play because it's only going to be three games in Canada, right? Like, and it's only one team. Yeah. It's only, you only have to pay attention to the golden Knights or the avalanche coming into Canada. And you, you know, it's 25 guys on a, roster plus coaches it's you know not that many guys to pay attention to but you know having the entire american league circling around i don't know i think that's a bit of a different beast but i don't know i guess we'll see it's um i wouldn't hold my breath like i i would imagine they're buffalo for the entire year that's kind of just my guess but it would be nice to see them come back and have you know september rolls around and they're in a playoff push and you can have you know five thousand people the dome that'd be pretty cool That'd be a big win. Would it be, so let's say the Jays make the postseason, like they're clear of a wild card game. They're getting a best of five series against whoever at that point, if they hadn't played in, in Toronto and it's the ALDS, do you think they'd move up then? Or do you think doing it that close to the playoffs might be like a competitive disadvantage, like uprooting your organization, bringing yeah. them North, having your players move? Like, is there a, my question basically is, is there a line at some point in the season where you go, we'd love to play in front of 10,000 fans at the Rogers center. If that's what the Ontario government says is allowed at that point, we just can't risk it. And we're selling tickets in Buffalo anyways. And we don't want to uproot. Like I really wonder where that line is. Yeah. I do think moving might be kind of a pain in the ass. And then you've also got a whole bunch of guys on this team that have never actually played in Toronto, which is really funny. Like you think Hyunjin Ryu, you know, yeah. he's like a fantastic blue Jays never played in Toronto. It's weird. It's, it's, it's a pretty crazy adjustment to make randomly in the middle of the year and yeah, i don't know it's just maybe you just settle into buffalo and you just accept that's it for the year and it's fine it is what it is but then again also remember like if the jays are in the playoffs and they're playing in october you don't want to be playing in fucking buffalo because it's going to be cold it's going to be miserable it'll be freezing Shit, that's nobody wants to experience well. <laughs> nobody wants to experience that right like you're going to be playing in you know, six degree weather with like wet, cold coming from the lake. That sounds like a nightmare. So, you know, maybe if it does get into a playoff scenario, then it becomes a bit easier for the Jays to get back to Canada because then you have the same situation as Colorado Vegas, right? You're only worrying about a team across the border. And that's not as big of a deal as having, you know, 14 teams cycle through the whole year. Whew. It's, it's, it's going to be a conversation. We're going to have it more than once, probably on this podcast. We're going to hear about it a lot throughout the next couple of months. But the fact the NH or fact that the Canadian government now showed that they are willing to make some exceptions for professional sports is rather interesting here. Uh, coming up next, it's three in Chicago for the Toronto Blue Jays. And this is going to be a battle of two of the more potent offenses in the majors in terms of runs scored. The White Sox are fourth. The Jays are seventh batting average. The Toronto Blue Jays are third. The White Sox are fourth. This is going to be a tight, tight series, but also probably a pretty high scoring series. If you're a betting man, I think the over might be a pretty smart play in these ballgames. 
Yeah, I don't know. Chicago's pitching is quite good. I it mean, is. They're a, they're a damn good yeah. ball team. They're really good. They <laughs> inexplicably made a 95-year-old senile man their manager, but their their roster is fantastic. Like, look at their starting rotation. Like you like you said, you know this team for their bats and scoring yeah. a million runs, but their starting rotation is ridiculous. The weak spot is Dallas Keuchel, who has a 4-2-5 ERA. Lucas Giolito's 3 8 8 Lance Lynn's been insane. He's at 123 ERA. Carlos Rodon, he had his no-hitter earlier this year, but I guess it's not a big deal because everyone's throwing no-hitters now. His ERA is 198, and then there's a, this other guy, Dylan Cease. He's got yeah. a he's got a 379 ERA. Like, that's got to be one of, if not, maybe the best starting rotation in the American League. That's really damn good. And then Liam Hendricks is your closer. He's striking up 14.7 batters per nine. That's insane. He, he picked up two saves in one day uh, during one of the Yeah, they used him in both ends of a seven-inning doubleheader, which is crazy, too, because that's I, I didn't think we'd see that. but That's cool as fuck. Yeah. Like, that's insanely cool. Yeah, this is going to be a tough series. I mean, the Jays, um, they have a pretty difficult-ish schedule coming up here. I mean, like it does start to get easy later on in the month when they see Baltimore a million times, but like this is a pretty key go right here. Like Just had Houston, that's difficult. Then there's three against the White Sox, four against Boston, three against the Yanks. Like, ugh. Uh, you mentioned Carlos Rodon, who has thrown a no-hitter this year. He will start game one. It's Rodon versus Robbie Ray. Um, and then the Jays are going to have Manoa going in game two and Ryu in game three. Uh, they have a TBD next to the White Sox for the rest of that one. And I did not go back and check who started in the last series. So I have no clue who's pitching for the White Sox. Uh, their stats, by the way, you you talked about the ERAs of all their pitchers. As a team, they're third in the majors with a 3 2 5 ERA and they have struck out 579 batters, which is fourth in the majors and first in the American League as well. So, yeah, it's a damn good staff out there in Chicago with the White Sox. They're seven and three in their last 10. They're wrapping up a series against Detroit right now and they have a plus 82 run differential, which is second only to the LA Dodgers in, in MLB. They're good. It's going to be a tough series. They're good. They're good. So are we unfortunately doing the limp dick expect one out of three like we did with Houston? I think so. I think so. Like it's, they got three good pitchers going. So the Jays have that going, right? Like if you, right now, I know Manoa's coming off. His last start wasn't great. Um, wasn't good. But if you gave, if you said, hey, line up the Jays three best starters right now, I would probably pick Jeez, these three. You don't think one of them's Ross Stripling the way he's going? You're not, we're not ready to believe just yet in, in Ross and his new new hide-in-the-ball glove thing? You don't believe? I I should be there, but I'm not quite there. I've Ross been burned too many times. Ace, ace of the staff? Uh, yeah, I think, we're, I think we're expecting one out of three here. If they take more than we're one out of three, three. Yeah, yeah. we're going to be we're gonna be thrilled on Thursday when yeah. we record this. Um, all three of these games start at 8, 10 uh, Eastern time, by the way, which is interesting. Uh, oh. You don't get one of those day games built in, which I, lo- I love a Thursday day game. Fuck me. Oh, me too. I, I love weekday day games. They're fantastic. Just like, I guess it's, it's different for us because like, we don't, we don't have, you know, we don't have jobs. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't, we don't have real jobs. So <laughs> we can sit around and watch this shit all day, but no, we, weekday day games are fantastic. Like we, yeah. we talked about this uh, recently ish too, but God, I wish there was more random double headers throughout the week. Those yeah. are a blast. It'd be, it'd be a lot. Like right now, the Jays, they'd have four days off this month in June. I would be totally in favor of, instead of that four game series coming up against the Red Sox, make it a 
pre-scheduled seven-inning doubleheader on Sunday and give him another day off. Like, fuck me. These guys barely get any time off. Um, Anyways, we've had that debate already. We've talked about it. It's three against the White Sox for the Jays as they look to bounce back from dropping two out of three to the Houston Astros. It is a tough stretch for Toronto. Before we go, need to give some love to our friends at Viridian Global. We've teamed up with them for our Dome Sweet Dome shirt, which feels appropriate to bring up since we were just talking about how much we miss the Jays in the Dome. Head to nationgear.ca, go to Blue Jays Nation, pick your size. They are all in stock right now as well. They go from small to 4XL, for, so there's something for everyone. nationgear.ca and Viridian Global. Coombsy, you enjoy the week. We'll talk again on Thursday. Sounds good. See you then. Hopefully the Blue Jays have swept the white socks. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.